3: This is the Agile Uprising Podcast. Hey, I'm Andy Cliff. Welcome to another edition of the Agile Uprising Podcast. I'm here today with my co-host and Agile Velocity partner in crime, Richard Dahlman, thanks for joining.
0: Hey Andy, how are we doing today?
3: Good, and we're excited we're joined with a couple of special guests, Dave, Mindy, and Paul. I want to introduce you all three in a moment. Our theme for the show, high performance teaming, and explored through the lens of a um, rather unusual team building event that the three of you went through. A 15 day 5,000-kilometer trek from the Atlantic to the Pacific coast of Canada. And if that wasn't enough, you had a little jaunt in Hawaii. And if that wasn't enough, it was a competition with three other teams who started on different continents. We'll get to what the prize was in a moment. Richard, a couple of weeks back, you you mentioned this idea of having this group on the show. Fill our listeners in on how how you know all these people.
0: Yeah, so... Um, I got to know Dave and his company, BW Bacon. Uh, I want to say that goes all the way back to 2014. Started working with a colleague of mine, Brad Swanson. And Brad, I think, had done uh, at least one CSM, Certified Scrum Master class uh, with David involved. Um, and then we did at least one or two classes for the whole company. And I remember getting to know you and your team back then. And it was purely coincidental that I caught you guys... On the television show, my wife uh, had recorded it or was recording it and just kind of mentioned I was doing some work in my office and she just kind of came by and said, well, hey, there's there's a team from Colorado, from Denver on this show and and caught my attention. And sure enough, I'm like, hey, I know that guy. So it was truly a coincidence that I happened to catch the TV show, but it captivated me right away obviously, because knowing David and, and rooting for David and, and Minnie and Paul. But as I was watching the show, it just became an idea that I started to curate in my own mind of what you guys were going through and what it means from a teaming perspective and a leadership perspective and you know, all of these other things that we do as Agile coaches. But it's really coming from a totally different perspective. And it just, it just caught my attention, caught my uh, imagination, and, and I brought up the idea.
3: Yeah. So, so that show that you mentioned, it's called Race to the Center of the Earth. And it's, um, you can get it on National Geographic, which you can access through a Disney Plus subscription. It came out end of March this year. And it's, as I mentioned, four teams starting in different places, going on a, a designated route with the goal of being the first to uh, get to a buoy in the middle of the ocean off the coast of Hawaii. Grand prize, million bucks. So Dave, hello, good to see you in real life. Hi, likewise. Introduce yeah. yourself and, and then oh, pass you. the baton to Mindy and
4: Paul. Yeah, well this, this is Mindy Murphy, otherwise known as Grit on the show. And uh, also next to me here is, is Paul Monsky Jr. Also known as Hustle on the show. And between the three of us, our team name was Hustle, Grit and Sizzle. And as you aptly described, Andy and Richard, we went through Canada. We were team North America. So we're delighted to be here.
1: Yeah. Hi, everyone. Great
4: to be here.
3: Thanks for having us. All right. We're henceforth referring to each of you as sizzle, grit, and hustle. Sizzle, grit,
1: and
4: hustle. (laughs) Perfect.
1: HGS, as the show producers ended up calling.
3: HGS. Yeah. So I encourage our listeners to catch an episode and, and look at it in the in the context of a, a phrase that we all use as coaches and in, in transformation and change agent talk about VUCA. Talk, <laughs> you woke up each morning and you know sort of had some idea where you're headed, but man, along the way, things were crazy. It, we we want to divide the, the conversation up sort of into three general buckets pre-race, during the race, and post-race. and and talk about things through those lenses. So pre-race, what the hell were you thinking? What motivated you to do this?
1: Paul, (laughs) Paul motivated us to do this. So (laughs) Paul Paul can talk about how it got started for sure.
5: Yeah, uh, a pretty interesting um, story I guess to how we kind of got discovered. Uh, Someone just shot me a note over my Instagram asking if I wanted to be on an amazing race type show. But then said, I would say I need some teammates. Tapped on, without even really thinking about it, you know, tapped on Dave and Mindy, and, you know, honestly, then we, we kind of became the Colorado co-workers. but, you know, between a couple couple phone calls some some Zoom calls and eventually a flight to L.A., and we were able to get selected for, for season one races here.
4: You know, it was really all about, we, th- we threw our name in the hat. Yeah. And I think initially... Uh, you know, we, we collected, we thought, wouldn't this be fun if it actually happened? And, you know, we didn't think it really would, you know, we, you know, there was probably a thousand other teams that had thrown their name in the hat and we're just one team. The odds aren't necessarily there, but things started happening very rapidly. And, uh, one thing led to another. And next thing you know, we were finalists with 15 other teams in, uh, in Burbank and we really knew or we really felt that as soon as we were anointed as finalists, where they were going to pick four teams amongst 15, that, uh, that we had a really good shot, that they were going to pick us. And uh, I think throughout just on behalf of Mindy and Paul, I think one of the reasons they picked us is what you see is what you get. Uh, we didn't pretend to be anything other than who we are. You know, we're not triathletes or Iron Ironman runners or anything like that. We're weekend warriors who spend a lot of time outside. And, and uh, you know, adventure is a big part of our life as much as it is part of our company. And I think the producers like that. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. Yeah.
0: So you said there are 15 finalists in Burbank. Um, was it just them picking up on, on that vibe that you just talked about, Dave? Or was there more that went into the selection process?
4: Oh, there was a lot more to it. Uh, Mindy, you want to say a little bit more about the tests
1: and yeah, we all went, the rigor? We went through a number of different tests, from mental tests to physical tests um, to live interviews, um, but the majority of it was really some of the, the mental and the physical tests, so we took a number of different, one was like a 500-question, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but a 500-question psychological-type test where they were really using mm-hmm. um, you know, proven sort of uh, I, I guess, do either of you remember what the test was? It was I mean, a
4: true-false, 500 plus true-false questions, if yeah. you can imagine. And if wow. you break it down, it was probably 25 questions asked like like 30 different ways. <laughs> yeah. And so that was one. We also did the Wonderlick yeah. test. And there was another test that they give to uh, folks in the Navy that go into sub, submarines for long periods of time
1: we felt very uh, intellectual or non-intellectual, I think, uh, for me at the moment. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, but um so we did that, we did a number of physical tests, um, you know, very controlled sort of environments. Um, we actually didn't, to our surprise, uh, do any sort of activity-based tests, you know, or not tests, but activity-based things to determine like what we were strong at or what things we could do or not do. And so that leading into it, I think as it was mentioned earlier. Every day was really this big open challenge. We didn't know what we were in for. We didn't know if the things that got thrown in front of us were going to be things that we could do, or had done, or you know wanted to do. So um, you know they didn't test for any of that, and so that was that was interesting. And it you know it, it set the stage going into it as a like wow, what are we in for?
4: <laughs> you know I think one of the themes going into this was uncertainty. There was tremendous uncertainty for us where here's a show that had never been done before. So we had nothing to base it on. We knew it was was created by the producers of Amazing Race and that collectively Disney and National Geographic wanted a new type of competition that really illuminated adventure, mountaineering, orienteering, and certainly teamwork. But other than that, uh, every team, you know, we were all left with, everything was a need to know basis. Um, and so from the moment we left Denver uh, to finally start the show, we really had no idea what we were in for. We literally had no idea where on the planet we were going to be going. Mm-hmm. And other than, you know, a packing list which uh, suggested we might be in some type of subarctic kind of climate, coldest cold, cold climate, and wet climate. <laughs> Yeah, we had no idea you know what to expect. Um, they gave us a very loose list of things we should know how to do, you know, ride a bike, climb rocks, uh, ride horses, swim, um, hike, et cetera, et cetera. But we had no idea how the show was going to work, how the competition was going to be fair and uh, or where we were going to go or for how long.
3: Oh, that's just wild.
4: It yeah, wild. it was wild. It was wild. That element of uncertainty was, was super consistent unnerving, and also thrilling in so many ways. And and I think in some ways, because the show itself, the race itself took place in October 2019. In a weird way, it sort of foreshadowed what none of us could have forecasted ahead of us, which was the pandemic. Because suddenly we were thrust into an era of an all new uncertainty as well. And during the show, we were often in our own version of a lockdown. When we were in our hotels, we were sequestered in our hotels, they took away our room keys. We couldn't leave the hotel rooms because they didn't want us <laughs> commiserating with other teams. Uh, they didn't want us, you know, getting out into the, into the wild. They wanted us in a controlled environment. So that was our pandemic prep going on an adventure race reality show.
3: No training, no coaching. It sounds like a lot of transformations that we participate in here. You're, you're now an art go.
1: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Program increment. Like that. People ask us all the time, just to that point real quick, you know, I have a lot of people that ask us all the time and especially, and I, I'm jumping ahead a little bit kind of thinking to that first day, but some of the activities we did, you know, people ask us, they're like, well, did you know how to do that? Or did they show you, did you like have a practice to that? And and the answer is no, it was very much a here it is, go for it. Um, You know, we weren't given any sort of direction or instruction on how to do things or, you know, the best way or practice at all. So we do get that question a lot. I and mean, I, I, I didn't think about it in the moment. I just was in for whatever. But after the fact, I'm like, oh, yeah, we didn't get a lot. Of, <laughs> we didn't get a lot of help there. So I guess we just figured it out. But that's uh, that's what we do every day. Right.
3: Yeah, exactly. Welcome to your first stand up ever.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm curious from a teaming perspective, did you guys go into this having any form of a working agreement or did that evolve as you were just going through the experience?
4: You know, so yes and no. Uh, We did go into it with some baseline strategies of how we would communicate as a team. You know, as you know, we're we're an agile shop. We're all scrum certified. Um, I also have my product certification and our company runs like an agile shop. Uh, It is our methodology. Going into it, you know we had uh, a couple ideas around how we could best communicate with each other to have an understanding of how we were feeling and and those were one word like one word like one word openers and one word closers and the reason we did those is at the beginning of the, of each day we would uh, you know we had that stage set where each of us could feel comfortable enough to share one word that uh, summarized how we were feeling going into the day. Mm-hmm. So it could be energized, ready, uncertain, or, or it could be exhausted, drained, scared. That's a, that was a way for us to understand where maybe one of us needed support as much as uh, a way for us to understand or really feel that we're in alignment. And so goes it with the end of the day, too. Yeah. Um, where did we feel? You know, and uh, and using those same one words, and so those were really helpful. Interestingly enough, the show didn't depict those um, or portray any of those, but those were something that we did every day on camera. And then also, there's our company values. The values that we've adopted come, you know, they they come naturally, of course. And so um, throughout the show, you know, I think it's quite evident how. Uh, as the show evolved, and as our time together went on and on, we 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 leaned on our values. Where sometimes, you know, one of us, namely me, might have been outside of our value, and where uh, the you know our you know my my teammates in, in grit and hustle, uh, Mindy and Paul respectively, uh, might call that out and get us back on track and keep us keep us keep us on the level. And so um, those things were, were really evident, I think, as they, as they portrayed us. And I think they portrayed us well in that respect.
1: That's
3: great. Mindy.
1: Yeah, I think uh, today's point, it was awesome going into the race with that. Uh, I think the other thing that we learned kind of right away, though, is when you're in a situation like that and you don't know what's going to happen or what's going on really at any given moment, some of that all gets thrown out the window too, all of a sudden, because all of a sudden it's like, well, we have these intentions of how we're going to communicate, but none of us had ever done this before. Right. None of us had ever been on an adventure race and certainly not this specific one. We had no idea, no concept. So I also think there was this element of, um, you know, as soon as we got going, we learned a ton. It was like, Oh, well, this is how we might have to communicate. I didn't, we didn't think about this. You know, I didn't, we, we didn't know what sort of situations we might be in. And all of a sudden we might be in a situation that, you know, caused us to all, you know, whether it was weather related or, you know, activity related where it's like, I've never been in this situation that even know how to plan for this. So how we felt and how we communicated and what we did, a lot of it was so in the moment just because we couldn't plan for it. So that was, that was an interesting part of the race too.
3: Yeah, that's, so let's move into the, the race itself. And I'm going to talk about roles and, and hierarchy and things like that. So for our listeners who, who don't know this crew, they work together every day. The company is named after one of the people on this call. And, and so I'm curious how the, the roles played out day to day. One of the things I think we've talked about it on the show, and I'll find a link and I'll put it in the show notes, is Cantor's four-player model where you've got the leader or the mover, the follower, the opposer and the observer. And and this is a a very powerful way to look at things on a team. And when we're watching the show, like who's leading, who's following, who's saying, you know, we're going in the wrong direction. And who's just watching. How how did those roles manifest itself? How did you take into account possible power gradients? You know, Dave's, Dave started and owns the company and we're, you know, team members, but also employees where did you defer or did the fact that you worked somewhere just go out the window? How did that show up? I'll, I'll toss that to Paul. Let's hear Paul's voice. Hustle.
5: Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think as we operate in a company, how's how we, you know, our mentality going into the show, we went in as equals and understanding that this, will only work, we can essentially only be our best selves and, and be successful if we are equals and work together. Um, and though Dave is the boss I and mean, Mindy works on, you know, the, the sales side, we, we are all equals and we, we need to put our heads together um, with this flat hierarchy in order to to achieve, you know, our, our mission day-to-day, to execute on that. Um, but obviously, as you, you know, will see or have seen in the show that each day some, you know, Someone does take charge, or has the opportunity to, you know, be that mover, or maybe to oppose a, a view of one or two of us. So between, you know, the task day to day, things change, um, and we each play a, a, a role. And that's obviously makes us a great team and, and able to, you know, knock out some of these challenges that we we do come across on the show.
4: Before the show, one of the things we leaned on as well is Clifton's strengths. And if we looked at each of our strengths, Paul is an achiever, Mindy is a futurist, and I am, in fra- am fraught with positivity. And so, right. you know, sometimes those strengths, if they're outside of moderation, can become uh, an impediment. And so I think, you know, my sort of relentless positivity at times Put us in areas where situationally wise, that positivity led to overconfidence and getting carried away with wanting to do something that might not have been the the right path to take. You know, understanding each day we're we're on the clock. So every day was a sprint cycle in and of itself, when overall we're in like a 15 day uh, overall marathon. And so we also wrestled a lot with this. It's a marathon, not a sprint, but hey, we got a sprint. I have a, I have a, a, uh, uh, in my nature to get carried away, not as a boss, but when I'm in the outdoors, when I'm in the outdoors, I do get carried away and like I get impatient and I want to get going. And it's like, why are we sitting here? And I'm also drawn to the hardest way, which is not necessarily the easiest way. And so I, I, I also lean here, particularly with Mindy, where in episode three and four, you know, that started becoming evident where uh, I wasn't listening. And there again is, is you know, listening is, is one of our values. So is looking for lessons. And so when Mindy identified that I simply wasn't listening and I was getting carried away, you know, calling me out in that respect, it helped to level set us. For the next stage of the race and um you know for us these kinds of things happen all the time you know between us um and obviously in the race you know they they wanted to zero in on that that kind of dramatic piece of it which was necessary and personally i'm i think collectively actually we're all really proud of how that played out because it needed to happen and um you know, uh, uh, and I was proud of Mindy for, for, for what she said and what she did to put me in my place uh, as much as illuminate that she needed me to be positive and get carried away, too, just in a way that didn't, you know, leave everyone else behind.
0: Yeah, Mindy, I think I know the episode that Dave's referring to, which is one that yeah. stuck with me. Was that a natural thing for you to kind of lean in and have that conversation? Or did you have to kind of find that, uh, yeah. that space? It's-
1: I kind of had to find that space. Um, I think, kind of going back to the team dynamics where this conversation started, you know, um, to Paul's point and in total agreement, we all kind of took different, um, I guess, played different roles throughout the show, but I think it was very natural and it kind of happened very quickly where, you know, Dave is the leader here at the company and Dave ultimately, you know, was the leader on the show. Um, And I expected that going in. Like Dave just is a natural leader and through his, Positivity and his insatiable, what do we call, it? audacious personality? It's just, it's audacious, it's right. right. Yes, it is just who Dave is, and so there was no, there's no surprise there. Like you know, I know I went into the show expecting that, even though we did go in very openly talking about how we we all wanted to be equals, I and mean, I feel like we were, but there was still this natural evolvement of the different roles that we each took throughout the show, and I think it very much follows the dynamics to refer to where. Dave is very much that um, the model, right, the mover. Um, I very naturally fall into the opposing sort of role. And Paul, I think, very naturally falls into the observe and follow and support. You know, it was like very consistent whether we meant for it to happen that way or not. I mean, we, it did happen that way. You know, with the thing that's been interesting to me looking back is it is natural. And we are all who we are. And that is what I think made our team really great is, you know, to your question, was it natural for me? Not really, not really on the show, because I wanted us all to be equal. And I didn't want to cause conflict per se. But I am the person that generally opposes or generally, even in the office, I'm the person that might raise my hand, like, are we going too fast? Are we thinking about this? Are we, are we taking the right approach? Is this the best conversation to be having right now? I think, you know, that is who I am in the office. And oddly enough, not even thinking about it, that's exactly how things played out on the show too. Like we're who we are in the office and who we, you know, how we work with each other and our teammates, oddly enough, it just played out pretty naturally on the show. So um, having that conflict on the show was difficult for me, but at the same time I had to, I wanted to get it off my chest because I didn't want to carry anything into the next day. I knew we had a long race ahead of us still. And the last thing I wanted to do was be feeling trapped in, you know, frustration or not being my best self and allowing them to be their best selves as well. So what
3: was the difficult yeah. part for you? Reflecting back, if you can, what made it difficult to go into that conflict zone? You knew you wanted to do it, but you just said, I had some hesitancy.
1: Yeah, I had some hesitancy just because I didn't want to cause riff among our team, right? Like I want, you know, I, I just didn't. I, we were, doing a lot of things and most things really, really well. And we were feeling confident in ourselves and I didn't want to bring down any of that confidence level, or I didn't want to cause a situation where there was tension moving forward. But I also had to step back and go, but if, if I don't address the tension now, the tension will probably just continue living. So while so it was kind of one of those moments where I just thought I need to be able to speak my mind. So I'm not frustrated and I can be my best self. Um, and ideally, then we can be our best team. So um, again, it was more, you know I I also knew like we're on a reality TV show. so if I'm gonna bring up conflict, you know it's gonna get aired. So you know you <laughs> something you don't play with in, in day-to-day life. like if I need to talk to Dave about something I'm frustrated about, I'm not worried about it getting aired to the entire building, right? <laughs> like, so so I mean that's just a different situation that you're in, but it was important for me to say something and you know conflict is never easy but sometimes you know conflict can be a really positive
4: thing. it took a lot of courage for her to do that you know and and Paul is 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 such a natural competitor uh he was the captain of his gymnastics team in college and is a is a fierce competitor and I think that really started showing itself more towards the end of the show although at least as the show was portrayed but between us that
3: was evident, you know, all the way through.
4: I'm gonna talk a little <laughs> bit about yeah.
3: <laughs> you know, so so you mentioned that you knew very little up front going into it. I'm curious what each day or the, the day before, what <laughs> the day's stand-up looked like. How much time did you have to plan versus respond? How did you how did you adapt and at some point you know how did you find the resilience to keep going i'm not going to reveal all the episodes but some of them like holy
5: crap
3: yeah the producers really game this one well
5: yeah Yeah. yeah it was quite interesting i mean some days we would know more about the next than others um, sometimes they would essentially you know hand us our bags to pack for the next two days, and we'd only give us, you know, 30 or 45 minutes. Standing in the airport, I think it was one of the shots is they just handed us everything and told us maybe what we should pack, giving us loose kind of requirements around that. But you know, I think it was it was so much of you know keeping like the, the energy high of like going into each day, getting to do something that you don't know, but you know is going to be brand new, super exciting, you know, adrenaline pumping, um, which just, you know, gave at least myself, maybe speak for everyone else, the, the energy and, and, and the stoke factor to, to go on day after day. It was like, you know, you wake up every day saying, oh my gosh, what are we going to get into today? And then, you know, you have that moment of reflection at the end of the day saying, wow, I can't believe we did Look that, we just did. you know, <laughs> the canoe days, I can't yeah. believe what we did those days, yeah. you know, sleeping on the glacier. Oh my gosh, I can't believe we woke up and it's, you know, zero degrees outside. It's just, you know, this this awe factor <laughs> each and every day.
4: You know, there. I think there's, imagine where in our scenario for these 13 days that we spent crossing Canada, um, you know, we had no phones no internet, uh, no parenting, no work, nothing to focus. This, the, the, like we were wholly compartmentalized on what we were going to do that day and, and doing it well and trying to get, you know, the maximum amount of points that we could get each day, um, which required, you know, in order to do that, um, we had a daily course time and it required the teamwork, you know, all the fitness around it, some luck. And, um, you know, like Paul, I mean, just just said, you know, imagine that feeling like to, to all your listeners, where and you know, for yourselves, where you completely remove everything else out of your your thought process. And the focus is solely on one thing. And that's mm-hmm. that's what it was like for us every day, because we simply didn't have any of those other things at our disposal. There was zero communication with our families, zero distractions. It was just pure day after day, day after day race. And I mean, those first 13 days, I mean, you know, that's, that's 13 days in a row of one thing after the other. And by the end, I mean, we were just ready for the next step. I, I know I was especially, I was just like, I had had enough of, you know, sleeping on the ground and, you know, of, you know, just I was just I was just ready to to race for the million bucks. Like let's get this show on the road. But it, it was amazing in that respect to have that ability, that opportunity, I should say, this tremendous privilege, this great gift that we had to be on the show to put all these other things aside in our life and just do this and only this.
1: Yeah, and that was that was super cool um, from an experience of like Dave said, like, when do you ever get a chance to just focus on one thing? Like we don't in our lives right now. Right. And I I don't know anyone who does where it's just like, you don't have, there's nothing to even think about, you know, in terms of what's going on later today or what's going on tomorrow, which honestly was really amazing. But also as Dave mentioned earlier, you know, for me as someone who, one of my greatest strengths from Clifton is a futurist. Like I'm always thinking ahead. Like I'm always like, what's next. it's tomorrow and so for me personally it was it was fun and exciting but also very difficult because i'm very much a think ahead what's next what's in the future so not knowing what's coming tomorrow while it's fun and exciting it was also like well i don't know how to plan for today because i don't know what's happening tomorrow right and from an energy standpoint you know um for me probably different than paul and dave to some extent but i had to look at the whole thing and go okay i've got 13 days. And my brain thinks where, like, if I know what I'm doing for 13 days, I can mentally plan and prepare, like, how do I act and react in every day? And how much energy do I need? And where do I store and not store? And that was hard for me to not know. It was hard to not know, well, if I give everything I can for three days in a row, am I going to be dead for the next (laughs) nine? (laughs) Like, You know, and, and so I don't, that's hard for me to function that way. Um, where I was, but at the same time, it was still really fun and exciting. So it was a mix of emotions for me in
0: that capacity. Yeah, I mean, it's an extreme version of sustainable pace and focus, as as Dave was mentioning. I'm yeah. curious how how well you all, again, you all brought something different to the team. And Absolutely. so we talk about cross cross functional teams all the time and kind of bringing yeah. those different skills. I'm wondering, was that a natural? Was that just a natural balancing act, or did you have to kind of Find ways. So I'll, I'll, I'll look to Paul. So hustle. If if being as competitive and driven was it just natural for you to lean on the other two for their skills, or was that a, a, a balancing act that each of you had to do, right? If if, if you were bringing that competitiveness versus that uh, positivity and that future thinking.
5: Yeah, I, I think those things came out naturally, and it's it's kind of interesting. Like you know, more naturally than maybe. I initially thought, you know, it's, we got into a groove almost like pretty quick and I'm very thankful of that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think understanding, you know, if if I'm, if I'm looking at it, understanding the role that everyone has to play or will play, it's easier for myself to adapt within the group, which hopefully will, will help us meld together, right? A little, a little easier, And so I see that it's like okay, how can I be my best self to help and serve Mm -hmm. everyone else, Dave and Mindy, as we go on? Whether it's day by day, maybe that is leading from the front, or it's leading from behind, or you know, just not saying anything and and letting others, you know, push whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. But I think that 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 honestly came pretty natural to us, and yeah. I would I would uh,
4: echo that, Paul's, and it's interesting you bring that up, like his adaptability to the environment that we were thrown out each day. I mean, consider it was water, glaciers, you know, desert, um, rock, you know, horseback riding, you know, I mean, I think Paul's adaptability uh, was, was, was more evident than the rest of ours, not to undermine Mindy's, but since I, like, for me, it's really hard not to be a hard charger. It's like asking me to ski slow. Like mm-hmm. I know one speed. But that, <laughs> yeah. that, as I say, can be a really good thing, but it can also be you know, a thing that can be a detriment if I, if I can't put that aside and adapt like what, like what Paul did. Mm-hmm. So, but I think all of that being said, naturally, that's one of the ways we all complemented each other so well. And I think that was mm-hmm. very evident with how the show portrayed us. I think I speak for all of us that we all feel like our team was portrayed uh, as we are and was portrayed well and, and pretty natural, which is good. Because per the contract, and this is true of any reality show you go on, they, those producers, they own your likeness in perpetuity throughout <laughs> the universe. So they get to do whatever they want with whatever you say or do. And so I don't think we left a lot of room for ambiguity other than who we are. So uh, that's why we were portrayed well.
1: Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, to the point of different roles, you know, it it was just very natural. Um, It came out. And I think about it a lot in terms of, you know, I think it was the, I don't want to say the perfect, but it was a really good combination of skill sets and roles that ended up, again, we didn't plan for it. It's not like we talked about it ahead of time. Like, oh, what would be the best three kind of personalities to mesh together? It It came out of nowhere. And the next thing you know, we were doing this thing. Um, but again, I think about it, like if there was three of me, you know, on a team, like we wouldn't push as hard as we needed to, to push. And so we probably wouldn't mm-hmm. have gone as fast as we needed or, you know, whatnot. Like we might've gotten there, but we wouldn't have gotten there as, as quickly as we needed to Or if There was three of Dave's on a team, right? Like we might've spent more time, you know, going in, you know, pushing, pushing so hard that somebody burned out or, or whatever. But if you think about it, it's just... Mm-hmm any of us in our, if if the whole team was made up of three and one of us, it really wouldn't have been the same or I don't think worked as well. So naturally, whether it was intended or not, I think the combination of skills and and strengths that we all brought, you know, ended up just being a really good. And and that reminded me of
4: one thing where as a team of three, and this is true for every team, every team had to, had to start the day together, finish the day together, no less be together. So, as athletic as Paul is, for instance, he couldn't just take off and and finish on behalf of Team North America. We all had to finish together. So that did put the impetus more on us to illuminate all the things that we're talking about here. We had to do it together. We had to be in the same frame of every picture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 do this together, you win together, you lose together. That's, that's fantastic. That's right. We're now almost two years post experience, right? You said they October, are, 2019, when you guys went through this yeah. and it was just televised back this spring. So I'm curious, what have you continued to learn or apply from, from a teaminess perspective or from a leadership perspective? What's What are you carrying with you um, in the work that you do today?
4: Hmm. Well, for one... You know, you're right, it's been almost two years. And so when the show finally aired, it was like popping open, uh, opening a time capsule because in the midst of all that, the world's gone through this awful pandemic. right? And, um, you know, it was almost, I mean, everything changed so much. And, you know, similar to what I said before, this whole show, we were on a need to know basis. And, you know, we weren't, shown, we weren't sure if it was ever even going to air. You know, like, you know, is it it, that that possibility was out there. So when it finally did air, and this is where I also like illuminate the rest of the the team in our company, because this was such a galvanizing experience for everyone. While the three of us were here, we have a family behind us. uh, We each have families, we each have friends, and we've got this great company and team around us, too, who supported us and who we left behind unknowingly. So... You know, once the show aired and once it completed, I think there was also a tremendous sense of relief where we'd been harboring this sort of dirty little secret about what actually happened. Because per the agreement, it would have been breach of contract to disclose what where we went and what actually happened and if we won or if we didn't. And so there was this element of relief. But as the show went on and was, you know, it was seven episodes, and when it was live on National Geographic, it was once, it was every Monday. So you know, we made Mondays really fun. <laughs> <We played laughs> these watch parties, we played these watch parties just like we played every day of the race uh, to have fun, to kind of lay it all out there, to bring every you know to 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 you know just let our adventurous spirit on the on you know just lay it out there on the table in the sort of seize the day mentality. And um, I think for me. Um, the the leadership lesson that that comes from this whole thing is is humility. Because when you have this opportunity to see yourself um, in third person, on the screen, when your face is in everyone's living rooms, of the people you love and trust and know. And then there's, by the way, millions of people who you don't know, don't Don't know, know, don't trust. And they see you for, for what you are on TV. And when you have this sort of uh, this this when you take that into context, this sort of this objective 30,000 foot view of seeing yourself in third person and seeing the things that you say and, and do where, geez, you know, that that humbles me. That, it's it, it. You know, I could have carried myself differently to me. That's really a, a humbling experience. The other humbling side of it is that we got to experience this beautiful country in Canada and the amazing people along the way, and just how humbling that was for us to be on their lands. And on one of the episodes, we were with the First Nations of of, Mm -hmm. of Canada, who've been there for 15,000 years. And they invited us into their homes, into their teepees to talk about their lore and what's important to them, about the mountains we were surrounded in. And so that was so unbelievably humble, and the lessons that we learn from uh, the First Nations and from the Canadians overall and from each other, they, uh, they leave in a double stamp of humility on me.
3: Oh, that's a powerful. Good way to wrap up. We've been talking about the reality TV show called Race to the Center of the Earth, which is available through National Geographic. We're about at the end of our time. I want to give our guests a chance to give some shout outs, tell us about your company and the best ways for our listeners to get in touch with you.
4: Super. Well, yeah, I, I started uh, Better With Bacon in 2001 and uh, rebranded the company to its current uh, name, BW Baking Group, in 2009. So I'm proud to say we're celebrating our 20th year this year.
3: Congratulations. And, uh, Congratulations.
4: Thank you. We're a technology staffing and services company. Um, so we help uh, really progressive companies grow by helping them uh uh, identify technology talent um, around the country. And it's really, you know, I'd like to say that here we are talking about this adventure race. You know, we, we we try to make what we do as adventurous as possible. I know that in growing a company, there's a lot of adventure. In growing the company, sometimes people leave the company. We had an employee leave recently. And while that's, that's sad and disappointing, it's part of the adventure. And so we try to bring adventure into our company. I'll defer to Mindy to talk uh, not about an event we have coming up, but about an organization that is near and dear to us that we support.
1: Yeah, so one of the organizations, and actually this is a fun story in terms of how Dave and I actually met, got connected, through an organization called First Descent, and they're based here in Denver, Colorado, and they are a nonprofit organization that supports young adults with cancer through uh, activity-driven, um, week-long and weekend-long adventure you know, adventure camps. So oddly enough, I was involved in first ascents, and separately as was Dave and kind of how we became, we got together, I guess, to get to know one another and how I came to BW bacon and, um, but I have actually worked with First Ascents uh, as a lead chef, helping support um, the organization in their week-long programs, providing nutrition and, and holistic nutrition to the young adults who are there at the camps. And so these camps are all designed um, from an adventure standpoint. So the, it's a place for young adults with cancer to go and really be around other folks, you know, um, that are in their same age group and peer group that are going through the same thing, where they can use the spirit of adventure through Rock climbing and kayaking and surfing and different events like that to take a week out of their lives and not focus on right what's what's going on in their life with cancer, but focus on what's going on um, through an adventure standpoint and kind of be around other other peers that are going through the same thing. So I've been involved in that organization for a number of years and was introduced to Dave. Because of my background in recruiting and Lauren, I think in our first interview that we were both involved with First Descent. So it is an organization that we still are involved with um, as a company, um, someone we support directly and someone that, um, you know, I guess is close to my heart. You know, uh, I actually lost my mom to cancer um, shortly after the race uh, ended. And so, you know, it's a continued, just a continued importance, I think, to this company and myself and everyone on our team. So
3: hmm. Thank you. We'll make sure to get links for that organization in the show notes. So thanks again to our guests, Grit, Hustle, and Sizzle.
1: Thank you. Watch the
4: show.
3: And my my co-host, Richard Dolman, and to you, our listening audience, if you enjoyed this episode, give us a review, a rating, or leave some comments on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps others find us If this is your first time tuning in subscribe. Get the next issue automatically. If you'd like to join our discussion, share your stories about rock climbing, high-performance teaming, um, glaciers, sleeping on glaciers, and of course, good craft gin. Join us at our Discord server. And finally, support from listeners just like you. Help us cover our hosting and production costs and see the show notes for how you can be become a patron. We might even send you some good swag. Until next time, this is the Agile Uprising Podcast, signing out.
2: CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver.